In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside, outside, on stairs, on the road, on your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with a heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. That's lls.org slash bigclimb. Hi, Yens Dewey. Welcome to episode 58 of the Yins Above Replacement Podcast. This is the episode dedicated to Jacob Stallings, Brandon Compton, and Vicente Palacios. Three number 58s from the past. I am Rob Beertemple. I cover the Pittsburgh Pirates for The Athletic, and I am joined by someone who, as far as I know, has never had surgery for thoracic outlet syndrome. That would be, of course, Stephen J. Nesbitt can confirm. No surgery for thoracic outlet syndrome. Good. Big news this week, Rob. Jung Ho Gung back in South Korea. <laughs> He'll be returning to the KBO, uh, the world's favorite baseball league at this point. Uh, true. Uh, oh, also, only. this just, just came across the wire. Chris Archer, done for 2020. What, what little of a season we have remaining, uh, if any, Chris Archer's not going to be part of it. So we had a, a call earlier today. Today being Wednesday, the third of June, mm-hmm. with uh, Todd Tomzik, the head athletic trainer of the Pirates. Um, oh, I may that may have been his old title. I'll have to remember what his. Uh, his I would say like a medical something. director or something like that. Yeah, that works. Whoops, sorry, Todd. Doctor um, Discovery. We spoke with him. We spoke with him. We spoke with uh, Ben Sherrington as well. Uh, bottom line is, is Archer is done. Bottom bottom line is Archer is probably never going to pitch again for the Pittsburgh Pirates, given that. His contract situation is such that they didn't necessarily have a slam dunk decision to even pick up this option this year. Yeah. I believe it was nine million with a one point five million buyout. They end up deciding to do that in that uh sort of empty space between Huntington and Charrington. I think Kevin Graves is in charge at that point in time. Uh, so they do they do pick it up. He's not gonna pitch this year and uh he enters he's gonna enter uh Probably free agency this this offseason if the Pirates decline that option. It's only a two hundred fifty thousand um, uh, dollar, you know, a buyout, and it's eleven million to pick it up. So with that, where 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 do you where do you see the Pirates and Chris Archer at this point? <laughs> well, geez, if this is indeed the end of the line for Chris Archer, uh, the Pirates will have given up Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows and Shane Boz and gotten thirty three starts from Chris Archer, six wins. Total, 12 losses, a 4.92 ERA, a 1.39 whip, but a career high 10.6 uh, K per nine, which is good. But 
in no way what Neil Huntington envisioned, I'm sure, when that deal was made. I mean, it was already, you know, there were already those saying um, it's a bad deal. We've been hearing that. And then yeah. when, the, when the deal went down, there were people already kind of thinking that. I just, I was looking at some, some swapping some comments today on one of my stories. I did a story um, that dropped, I guess, last night or just yesterday afternoon, projecting a, a potential roster for the Pirates in the 2020 season and about Chris Archer. And, and now that Archer's out of there, it's like, well, who do you replace him with? And um, it really, his departure from this season, if there is one, really exacerbates the lack of impact pitching depth at the upper levels of the Pirates system. Yeah. And I mean, and you combine that with, you know, when I started looking at, at the roster as well, an impact, a lack of impact outfielders at the, at the upper level of the system. Um, in addition to the lack of first basemen and, and, and catchers, uh, and in which you gave up for Archer were two hard throwing starting pitchers and a power hitting outfielder. So it really, really stings now. It stings. I won't say what it stings like, because uh, it's just, but it stings. And uh, yeah, where do they go from here? Indeed, I, you know, we asked Ben Sherrington, both you and I today, asked him about where, you know, what does he think about the contract situation for Archer? It's a, it's a club option. Does he pick it up? And you know, Ben, as he's going to do in those situations, danced around it nicely. I, I think just kind of saying, well, we have plenty of time to think about that. It's six to eight months before Chris will be probably cleared to resume throwing. Um, so you're looking, you know, pretty much the, the onset of spring training 2021 before you know when he gets back on a, just to begin a light throwing program. It could be March or April, you know, of next next year before he's really ready to, you know, be game ready. Maybe even later than that, if there's a, you never know about setbacks or anything. There's so much about, you know, TOS that's unknown and, the recoveries are different and the surgeries and the symptoms. There's, it's, it's, it's just a confusing medical situation. Um, so boy, there's so much uncertainty there. I can't imagine that by December, there'll be very much more clarity about Archer's status. And that alone yeah. leads you to decide that maybe it's best to, to wipe your hands. You're not the GM that made that call. So you can walk away from it and, you know, not not have to worry about waking up in cold sweats in the middle of the night about the trade. Yeah, just when you thought this trade couldn't get any worse, you can uh, you could almost hear, uh, you know, the, the shouts from Neil Huntington at his home in Cleveland today when he saw that news of "Come on!" I was hoping like at least <laughs> once I was gone, people would look back fondly on me. Instead, mm. what you have again was I think you said thirty three of the most consequential starts in Pirates history where you give up. Tyler Glass now and Austin Meadows and Shane Boz. And this was um, always looked at, I guess, as a trade where ideally it would probably work out poorly in the long run for the Pirates, as long as it worked out in the you know first three and a half, I think, years they had left on his contract. Um, in the long run, sure, giving up that many top prospects is probably going to hurt you. But if it pushes you across at this point in time and you win a World Series because of it, then, then no one cares. And no one's going to really complain all that much. And so they didn't get there. And... Um, <laughs> Is it a little unfair of you and I to to try to press uh, Ben Sherrington on what he's going to do this fall? Sure, you know we know, uh, you know, hundred oh, he percent. He's coming. not going to he's not going <laughs> to commit to anything, right? He knew it was coming. Yeah, we can all do that math and realize that they have to make this decision. I think it's the first week of November in mm-hmm. a normal year. Yeah, um, and you can do the math that he's not going to be. Um, 
you know, pitching at full strength even by that point. So um, they're going to have to make a decision based off of what they saw this spring training and based off of the fact that they haven't seen a pitch in a regular season game since August 20th of last year. Uh, we're talking about, you know, 15 or so months uh, by the time that they reach this decision. It's, it, it's as obvious as can be from this far out. They have maybe given the benefit of the doubt or bet enough times on Chris Archer. I don't see them doing it again. Uh, is $11 million the craziest uh, salary we've ever heard for for a, a pitcher, you know, around what, 31, 32 he's going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's not a crazy salary. For the Pirates, it's a very significant one. And if you're in a position where you have no clue what you're going to get from him next year, uh, I just don't see them trying that. So they, they've, yeah, they've put enough on the line for this guy, and I don't see them doing that again next year, especially if you're considering uh, that there's a good chance that teams lose some money this year, regardless of how long the season is. Uh, they're going to be probably playing especially safe this off season, and I don't see 11 million going to Chris Archer when they could, you know, get out of that contract for for 250k. So, again, this uh, the the ending of the whole Chris Archer saga comes a lot earlier than we expected. I'd be really curious to hear from him about what these last couple of months were. Um, we, I mean, you asked that question to Todd Tomzik and said, is this related to that shoulder injury from last, uh, last August? And we kind of got danced around a bit, um, sort More of than a bit. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole thing was weird. I'll be, I'll be honest. Like, I, I don't know what is gone on in the discussions, but the, the, the pirates seemed a little bit cagey about, who was recommending what, and and I couldn't tell if they had advised him to do this, or um, or if or if they wanted to wait longer. It's like, uh, again, no one really said the wrong thing. They just didn't make it super clear, um, you know, that this was a a very necessary uh, procedure, and they were on board. And uh, you know, um, I guess I'm not sure if we're getting like tonal tonal transparency and honesty at this point. And you don't always, you know, get that at a point at a time like this. So. Um, I guess reading between the lines, it felt to me, and, and I don't know about t- to you, uh, that there was, um, I don't know, I, I couldn't tell whether, whether whether everybody was 100% on board with this with this procedure. Yeah, no, I, I exactly. I felt the same way. I mean, there was one point when when someone asked it, uh, Ben if this, you know, was there a chance that uh, that Chris could have been hurt earlier in spring training or or maybe even before spring training, and Ben's answer was, "That's a good question. I don't know." And I underlined that when I was writing it down because, you know, that, you know, the GM's got to know. I mean, you're right. You have to know. And if, and if you really either, so either is just being disingenuous or, or if you really didn't know, well, then yeah, some, some, some bad things were afoot. And well, yeah, I just think it, it's a sour ending for what was already a, a, a pretty like pickles and milk kind of flavored situation in the first place uh and now i mean it just it makes my metaphor it kind of reminds me of the scene in christmas vacation when chevy chase is up in the attic and he steps on the one floorboard and it comes up and smacks him in the face and he turns around and yep. the other eye comes up and smacks him in the face again that's what just it, it's felt like uh that this trade from the giddy up that uh you know it, it was done with the best of intentions and warm and fuzzy thoughts yeah but it just jumps up and and whacks you and leaves you stunned and dazed and not very happy and, and probably with yeah. blood, blood trickling out of your nose. Yeah. So. And, I, and I want to make clear, neither Charrington nor Tomzik said anything that specifically stated that they are upset about any of this or that it's happening. But I think if you um, if you just look at the situation it puts them in, you could see why they wouldn't 
be real happy about this, right? They um, had to have been entering this season hoping that they could trade Chris Archer, that they could have him bounce back and, and move him, or have him show that he is once again a top of the line, top of the rotation starter, and uh, and be able to, uh, to pick up that option and flip him next offseason or something. So they had hopes of being able to uh, recoup some of that value in one way or another with Chris Archer, and this just guarantees, no, you're not getting anything back. Um, this is, you know, this is as good as it's going to get here is you're going to watch him maybe be around your ball club a little bit, um, in the coming months, but that's, um, that's really not a, a certainty. And instead we're dealing with a situation where they're not going to get anything back for him. They're going to watch him. They're going to give him $250,000 and his prorated pay or whatever they end up agreeing on to, to not pitch this year. So you can see why they would have wanted him to, get as many second opinions as possible, um, rule out everything, maybe see if rest will help. Uh, but again, without talking to Chris, we don't really know what all he went through in the consultation phase. So maybe, maybe he did do all that. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe he did exactly the, the right thing. And, and I'm sure, you know, he wouldn't, uh, clearly wouldn't just go under the knife if it's not going to help. Um, Regardless, he he's going to be putting himself in a position where there, no way they pick up his option, and he's entering one of the worst free agent markets we're probably ever going to see because of all the reasons. And so, and so, I I, um, I can see why the Pirates might be frustrated again, might be, uh, but I can also see that that Archer wouldn't do this if he didn't think that it was not going to help him because he's putting himself in a pretty bad spot for his next contract, wherever that is. And now it makes me wonder too what. Um you know what what Ben's reaction is after that i mean he's you you, you figure let, let's say that, that that Chris is out of the equation now for 2021 and beyond um you, you still have a, a a hole in your rotation uh although Tyone is coming back next year at least is expected to be coming back next year no guarantees there no guarantees of how effective he'll be that's his second TJ not yeah. a good you know nobody wants that and you know it's uh so there's, you know, no assurances that, that he'll be anything like his old self. Although if anybody would be, I, I would think JMO would be the guy to do it. So what do you do now? Uh, you got, you know, you don't have a lot of impact guys at AAA. JT Brubaker could be a guy who, who, who steps in. And, and I think, you know, he was on his way there last year until he got hurt. And that kind of killed his chances of making the big league roster in 19. After that, I, Cody Pons, Hector Noessi. I mean, you look at the guys there. Maybe this is when you start thinking, you know, I wasn't, you know, I said, I know I said I wasn't going to blow up the big league roster, but now you start thinking maybe Adam Frazier is more of a trade possibility. Keone Kella is more of a trade possibility than mid they unfreeze rosters. Um, if you think to yourself, you know, can we get, can we get realistically, even with an expanded playoff field, and a, a, a 2020 season that some say would be 50 games, but I, you know, you and I both think more likely would be 80-ish. Can you really expect to a make the playoffs and b if you do do anything there with with what you have at this moment? I would say you know probably not. So you got to think continuing a rebuild, and um, you know. So now I think this just means it's more likely that we see one or two bigger moves to get some starting pitching. Um, and maybe that affects the way you even look at the draft. Uh, maybe they look at a college pitcher now, a guy who may be a little bit closer to the majors, uh, as opposed to a high school guy that, you know, some of the high school guys we've seen them linked to pitching wise. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a domino that is setting off a whole bunch of other ones that I don't think we're going to know 
see the last domino fall for probably a, a couple of few, three years. Yeah, I don't think either way this went, the Pirates are necessarily going to really alter their course um, as it pertains to this season, 82-game uh, season, 50-game season, whatever. I think they'll publicly be saying that, hey, we have a shot, as good a shot as anybody here, shortened season, remember what we did last year in the first half, all those things. But as a front office, I think you need to be <laughs> – designing this in a way that uh, you don't really think you're going to win enough to get this. You know, you're, you're more shooting for a good draft pick than you are for the the postseason, maybe giving yourself equal possibility of the number one pick and the wild card spot. Let's, let's, let's kind of split the middle somewhere. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll, you're right. They have very few options in the starting pitching category. I mean, the names who were at AAA waiting to come up last year were, you know, Alex McRae, Eduardo Vera, Cam Vio, um, Dario's gone now, James Marvel. So it's not a real inspiring cast at that point. So they do have guys down at single A that are going to be a really, you know, interesting crew to come up in the next few years, but they're a ways off. So yeah. you're right. We just, we just saw, um, Keith Law, uh, linked them to in, in his latest draft, um, at number seven overall. He linked them to Mick Abel, who is a high school right hander. Um, you know, that old Pirates prototype coming out of um, Oregon. This is a kid who, you know, tops out in the, the high 90s, really attractive um, option. Of course, the high schoolers this year are a real strange bet because you haven't seen them play real ball um, at all this spring. So, I mean, I'm interested by that, but you're right. Do you do you maybe prefer to go after, um, you know, a college, college pitcher who can help you in the near future? Um, I think they're more inclined probably to take um, a higher upside guy like uh you know like an able who is going to be more of a project because well i think they're going to be a, a bit of a project and yeah. if you can help them in in five years super um you know we'll take that high upside bet rather than more of a sure thing especially this year when you only have you only have five you know real draft picks before you just get into twenty thousand dollar free agents so yeah it's uh it's going to be an interesting one to watch next week because it's you know the draft is always consequential but not not immediately it's uh it's for way down the road. High school right-handers too aren't they like the the riskiest bet in in, in a draft? Just right-handed pitchers from, from that level. I mean, there's a lot of injuries, a lot of unfulfilled potential there in that group. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you pencil in a Tommy John, then you're you know <laughs> if you just count on one of those, then then that's part of his development um i joke but i mean it's a serious yeah, yeah. um serious issue you're, you're taking guys who are so young who have done so little pitching compared to where they're going to be in five years um that you know I, the, the 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 plus for the pirates is if a guy like um like an able does drop to seven maybe this is a year that you get some more value uh you know we talk about best player available maybe you get some more upside because guys are falling down the draft board because teams weren't able to scout them. So maybe this is a year to capitalize on that. Um, but yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to kind of see because they, they have other holes. We talked about Patrick Bailey, this catcher out of NC State and these other options where you have immediate needs at catcher and this guy could be three years away. Maybe, uh, do you, you know, I don't know. Is this the time to, to go after one of those options or truly go best player available? You know, notice that last dance documentary has brought up an ongoing debate that I think probably no one's ever going to win, is Michael Jordan the GOAT. Well, actually, I think he is the GOAT. I mean, it's pretty easy for me to resolve it. But, you know, the debate will rage on. Is LeBron the GOAT? Maybe that's, you know, you're, you're a younger guy. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's where you stand. We can argue back and forth all day about this. But one thing we know for sure is Manscaped is the GOAT for men's grooming. 
You know, Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. The Perfect Package Kit 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0 water-resistant cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. You know, we go green here now getting counting on Friday, so quarantine will be ending soon. So you'll be out there traveling, moving about. Get that travel bag. You can also get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC, all one word, THEATHLETIC, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping, when you go to manscaped.com and use the code the athletic. Well, let's let's put our feet a little bit more firmly in the present now, and and go with some roster talk. You know, it's nice to be actually talking maybe roster yeah. for a potential season in twenty twenty. But uh, I, I did a, like I said, I had a story that, that dropped today, and that would be well yesterday. That would have been June second. Today is what Wednesday. They all kind of run the same now, but I think it's Wednesday, sure June third. And the very first name I listed on my on my projected roster is now scratched off, and that would be Chris Archer. Yay! So I'm left with a rotation of Musgrove, Williams, Keller, Holland, and Brault. I figured the Pirates would, would look to a six-man rotation, not knowing, you know, it, it was hard to project the roster, let's say at the outset, because we don't know a lot of specifics. How long is the season going to be? How big is, is the roster, the active roster going to be? Is there really going right. to be a, a taxi squad? What are the rules for that taxi squad? Uh, if you're a, a you know, a, 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 can you put non 40 man guys on that taxi squad? Or does it, you know, since you have a 30 man active, does that mean the, the, the 40 man becomes, ex- I don't know, who knows? So, you know, I just had to work with real general parameters in projecting these things. And I have Derek Holland, who right now is not on the 40-man, but at the end of spring training, well, at the abbreviated end of spring training, it sure looked like Holland had won that spot in the rotation ahead of Stephen Brault because Brault was on the injured list with a bad shoulder. And, uh, and Holland had pitched pretty well in the spring, and things looked like it would be a go. So I'm keeping him on that list now, but who do we make, assuming we're, do you think, A, we should stick with six-man starting rotation, and then, B, if if so, who would you make your number six guy now that uh, Archer is out? A couple points on that is the it all depends how the schedule is drawn up. I mean, if the players get their increased games, let's say 100, 100, 14 was their their idea. We're talking about probably almost definitely having some double headers. Yeah. In which case if you're doing that you got to have you got to have six. The other factor is especially at the start of this season, I say in air quotes, uh you're probably going to be having starters go four innings pretty regularly. And so you're going to have to load up either on <laughs> extra starters or a ton of swingmen and uh, and guys who can carry another three innings and get you into the late innings and, and all that fun stuff. So I think yes and yes to you. Um, <laughs> without Chris Archer, I think Holland is a, is a certainty, is a lock in that rotation. And then they're going to have to maybe, uh, you know, if Clay Holmes is healthy, maybe he gets into that mix. Um, Brault, if he's healthy, of course, would, would, would factor in there. So I, I do think uh, you're going to have to load up on guys who can eat some innings, even if that's only three or four innings, as you wrote in your um, in your story, but also talk to Oscar Marine about. So uh, I think all of that sounds like it makes sense. I, I don't know how much you can rely on Chad Cool 
right now we've talked, right. of course, about long-term. We, we kind of see him as more of a reliever, but, of course, you want to see what he has coming back from from Tommy John, and he was he was looking sharp in, in, in spring and certainly thinks he can handle a starter's load. So maybe this is a time where you do use him to go three, four innings uh, or two. Maybe use him as a starter and go two innings. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a real interesting <laughs> – I don't envy – uh, Oscar having to come in year one and this is the hand he's dealt. Uh, not, not to say nothing of the players, but like the, the strategy of how do you piece this all together. Uh, and I don't think there are real, real enforcements waiting at AAA in, in a big way that, that you can just plug right in. I think, uh, this is a team that was more going to be helped by these non-roster invitees, um, than, than they were going to be from the AAA roster. So that's where you see sort of the Robbie Erlins and the Nick Turleys and, uh, Chris Stratton, who maybe was not going to find his way into the roster. Yeah, I think Stratton. Um, yeah. you know, hey, let's make Dovid us a starter, right? Let's, let's just go wild here. Yeah, I keep, I keep going back and forth about cool. Uh, I'd asked about him early in spring training. I asked about him late. I've talked to Marine and Charrington and Shelty about him during the lockdown here. I've never gotten any kind of real firm answer or even like a, yeah, you know, get him out there in some way, shape or form kind of answer. It's always been kind of like, well, you know, we'll see. <laughs> and either they're really being, you know, don't want to show their hand or there's just some lingering doubts about readiness. I mean, in spring training, he, you know, it was what, about five weeks of spring training? He pitched in two games in the Grapefruit League. Neither one was to start. A total of one and two-thirds of an inning. And uh, gave up two runs, one hit, one walk, one strikeout. So really, not a lot of tangible numbers to, to dig into there. It's more about how he looks at this point, about um, just regaining your feel for pitching after, you know, not doing it in a competitive mode for, for a year after, you know, and, and, and even though, you know, some guys not, don't admit it. And I'm certainly not saying for sure this is the case with Chad because he's never expressed this to me, but you know, some guys just have that, you have that little just mental thing, you know, you know, am I, you know, I, you just had a major surgery and you're going to go back out and try to throw a ball 99 miles an hour again. You know, is there a little yeah. bit of a can I do this in the back of your head? And you may not even know it's there until you get on the mound for the first time with 38,000 people, you know, screaming at you. So we'll have to wait and see. And, you know, maybe the Pirates are just going to take it ultra. Maybe that was the plan all along is to take it ultra slow with him and have an eye more toward 21 than, than 2020 with him. And if that's the case, especially in a shortened season and in a season that you real, probably realistically don't have a winning goal, at least in terms of win-loss record, maybe that, you know, that would be the best way, the, the surest way to go. So I think you're right. If that happens, you know, Chris Stratton certainly is a guy who, um, has done both roles, prefers to be a starter, has made that clear that he wants to start, uh, was still being kind of groomed, it seemed, in spring training for that long relief kind of role. Maybe that changes now. I mean, Ben today said that there'll be some non-traditional roles. Uh, he didn't specifically say piggyback or opener yeah, yeah. or anything, but uh, made it clear you might see some things. Maybe they'll try, you know, some kind of laser beam or sci-fi approach or something that's non-traditional. But I don't know. But it's it's you know that's a, that's a sign of a, of, a, of a rotation that you know if you're if you're saying stuff like well you know we're going to have to be non-traditional. 
Sometimes that's a sign that you're ahead of the curve. Sometimes it's just a sign that you're just working with what you got. The way I've I've settled on describing all this, what the season is going to be like, uh, people want to say asterisk or, or whatever. It's it's going to be a little squirrely. That's my word. <laughs> it's just all going to be a little squirrely. Nothing like you expected. Nothing like your granddad's ball games. This is going to be a little bit of a squirrely season, and it's a buckle up. And again, that just brings me right back to Christmas Vacation movie. Where the squirrels in the tree and chaos ensues. So, who would have thought? It, here we are yeah. sitting here on an eighty-five degree day in Pittsburgh in, in June. They would have such fond memories of Chevy Chase out in the snow in suburban Illinois. But there you go, Rob. Let's take a quick little break. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around twenty-nine days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to address your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash Yins for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Yins, Y-I-N-Z, for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. So if you move on to the position players, I think that... That sort of uh, works itself out a little bit easier um, with the guys mm-hmm. they have on their roster. Uh, instead of talking about this roster crunch where you're like, will a uh, Gonzalez fit in? Will a Osuna fit in on the end of the bench? Uh, what do you do with Guillermo Heredia? Um, Jason Martin, of course, is, is sort of a medium factor in all of this. Uh, instead of talking about that, well, they're sort of on the roster and then you... Uh, instead of arguing over whether Cabrian Hayes will make it to the majors this year, you say, well, he's certainly going to be on the taxi squad and, and sort of work it out from there. What were, what were some of your, um, some of the positions that had you pulling your hair out a little bit more as you try to figure out who's going to fit onto this 50? Well, so I'm looking at the outfielders. You're right. I went with Brian Reynolds, Jared Dyson, Polanco, Heredia, and Jason Martin. And, um, you know, the wild card there is, is, is big Greg's shoulder. Um, the, yeah. the surgically rebuilt shoulder. I mean, you know, all along, Dr. Discomfort has told us that they're going to have to closely monitor the, probably going to need some downtime. And maybe that's a good thing if, if we're going to have a DH in the, uh, in the 2020 season. Uh, I would expect Greg would spend a lot of time there and give that shoulder oh, yeah. a break. And, you know, you could move things around. Dyson's going to be 36 in August. And, you know, at least he won't have a lot of miles. This year, this season, behind him, whenever we start playing, if that's in July, he'll, you know, that would normally be the time of year when guys start to hit a bit of a wall. But for him, maybe he'll be, you know, he would certainly be fresher in the start of the year in a shorter season. But you're going to need days where he's going to be down, so you would maybe move Reynolds to center and Martin and left, and then Heredia or Polanco in right field. You could do that. But after that, if you, you know, say one of those guys gets hurt, who's your taxi squad outfielder? Charlie Tilson, Socrates Brito, Jared Oliva. Yeah, I I don't know that there is a really good Oliver? answer there. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I would think you know obviously the the, the only one the, the, the prospect there is Jared, but you know, do you 
you know, I kept going back and forth because not knowing the rules on how this is going to work, you know, people asked me too in, in the comments section, you know, I would just put Cabrian on the team or I would put Cole Tucker on the team and, and, and drop Eric Gonzalez to another league if possible or things like that. Yes and no. I mean, let me deal with the Cole Tucker thing first. I know I'm shifting quickly from outfield to infield, but the Cole Tucker thing, I, I did go back and forth with that a little bit because, you know, Eric Gonzalez, let's say he's not a long-term piece of the Pirates. He's not a right. guy, you know, they, they got him intending to, to be the starting shortstop. It is so not going to work out that way. He is a super you guy at best. Um, they got him playing second, third, short, maybe first. You know, they might stick him in the outfit. If Clint Hurdle was here, God knows he'd probably do all those things in one inning. So I could see putting Cole on the 30 because he's your future. He's a guy who's going to be a big leader, leaguer here for a number of years and not long after Gonzalez is gone. But again, do you want to do that in a short season and burn service time? And Tucker's on the 30. Okay, well then who sits? Do you sit Kevin Newman? Do you sit uh, Kevin or Adam Frazier? You know, I mean, those are your two middle infielders, and you're not going to play Tucker over either one of them, not at this point. So you have Tucker sitting on the bench at the big league level instead of, and again, not knowing what what's this taxi squad going to do? Is it going to play games against other taxi squads or other, you know, there has to be some way to keep those guys sharp and ready. So you got to figure out ways to do that. And you would think playing every day, it's like the, I know I sound like Huntington here, but he's going to be playing every day in the minors and the taxi squad. But you know, that would, you, that might be more beneficial than having him sitting on the bench in Pittsburgh. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. These are the, the strange things. We don't even really have a good read on how to how to balance this how to how to run that math because you know in a normal year you're wondering you know when can you bring up Brian Hayes so that he won't get super two okay start of June's probably safe look what do we do now um is it are we are we like we're prorating everything are we are we gonna push that back a certain percentage of of the of, of, of days uh are we gonna push back the trade deadline a certain number of days so in a in a perfect world if we were not considering service time one bit um then Sorry to these guys, but like, forget Charlie Tilson, forget, uh, Socrates Brito. Let's, uh, let's, let's see what Jared Oliver has because he's not going to be playing a triple A season. Uh, mm-hmm. let's see what some of these, well, you know, let's just give Jason Martin uh, some, some run out here. Like, let's, let's see what he's got because there's no real loss here. However, if you're thinking about service time, then you have to factor in all of those days of service and, and what that calculates into. And of course that means money and money and money down the line to, to <laughs> yep. everybody. And so those are things they're going to have to figure out, but it's things we have no idea what we don't even know how to to advise them from our podcast seats right now, because we don't know uh, how that actually is going to, going to play out. So we're going to have to see, because ideally I would throw the kids out there. I would absolutely do that. Um, and, and that just might not be doable for, for quite some time because um, to me, the best thing you can do this year is develop and your best way of developing is being taken away from you pretty, um, pretty holy, right? You're, you're getting, it looks like we're going to have no minor league season. Um, you know, you can, you can certainly have instructs, you can do a fall league of sorts, but, um, I don't think you can afford to lose a whole summer of development with these guys. So can you get them involved at the major league level if you're not counting on doing a, a heck of a lot of winning anyway? So that, that's what I'm very curious to ask. 
the GM about as we actually get closer and, and have a plan in place. Yeah. Another thing, too, you got to keep in mind, too, is that if, if the situation that the Pirates are in now with the lockdown is dire enough that, that they that they furlough two senior vice presidents, that they, that they you know, stop the, the 401k payments that, you know, realistically don't save them millions and millions of dollars, but, you know, there's some savings there, but it's not like you're, you know, breaking a bank vault open. If 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 the if it's dire enough that those moves are being made, then what is the situation going to be like next year? God bless you. <laughs> bless you. <laughs> <laughs> what is the situation going to be like next year, payroll wise, for this club? If it was, yeah, what was yeah. it this year? Fifty six million or something? I, it's so low I can't even remember, remember it. You know, right. in a normal year, you think it probably would have gone up to seventy ish, but now I'm not so sure. And if you're going to have to scare up some cash for maybe a free agent starter to kind of bridge you for a year or two until you can get, you know, figure out what you got with Tyone and is Brubaker going to cut it at the big league level and what happens if somebody gets hurt? Well, now there's, you know, there's just more expenses there. This is, this is probably a lot. No, this is scratch the word probably. This is a lot more complicated, I'm sure, than, than Ben Charrington bargained for when he took this gig. <laughs> yeah, or Derek Shelton trying to figure out how to mm-hmm. manage a roster of of uh, fifty guys coming in and out, and it's going to be uh, squirrely, as I say. <laughs> so, with, with that, let's let's move on to the the topic at hand, which is really: Are we going to have a season now? Uh, we remain, I remain optimistic. I think we're getting closer to something. However, we are still in the stage of call it posturing or not. Uh, the heels are firmly dug in on both sides, but I do think we're seeing. A little more clearly, the lines drawn in the sand of, of here's what my actual demands are, rather than me trying to push you around and you trying to push me around. Uh, we have the owners just today coming back and saying, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> we're not doing your 114 game season with full prorated pay, which again, let's break this down, uh, even simpler, okay? The, the players are in a, in the simplest terms saying, pay us 70% of what we would have had under a normal season. And the owners uh, are saying, no, 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 hold on. We offered you 31% of that, and you come back with 70 That's insane. Um, so what we're doing is we're going to tell you uh, we might just do a 50- to 60-game season because that is the owner's leverage. In, in what they signed this spring, the uh, the players said we get prorated pay. And uh, from what I've seen, the commissioner has has the, the, the power to, to determine the number of games within that. And I'm sure the union has some say in in all that, but the owners have come back and said, "This is not a formal proposal, but according to to Passan and, and Rosenthal and all the the uh, the insiders, the owners are are using this as a little bit of a trump card, saying, uh, "Fine, if you say the prorated pay is so important for you, we'll give you that. But what we can uh, determine is the number of games, and so we'll we'll, we'll play." 40 games, 50 games, 60 games, which is a, a joke and a mockery and whatever, but really it doesn't, um, it's not, please don't take it too seriously. Um, <laughs> because it really isn't. It's just, it's just proving a point that we can, you know what, you think that you have the power here, you have the leverage. Actually, we do, and if we want, we can have a 50 game season right now, and you have to, uh, or you already, you know, you already agreed to, to something like that, agreed to those terms. So, um, I think we're starting to, to see some of this uh, clarity come despite the fact that they're doing it in the hard-headedest way, the, the hardball yeah. negotiation that um, a couple of players I was talking to, um, one of the Pirates and one uh, another team in the National League, 
were saying that this is also dumb. Everyone believes that they're going to get a deal done because there is there is incentive and motivated um, or motivation on both sides to get a deal done. And how do you get a deal done when both sides want to get a deal done? And they yeah. do. And they're trying. They're just trying it in, on their terms. And so I don't believe for a second, nor do these players, that we're going to get to a point that says, you, you know what, that was that was rude. Uh, you guys. You guys turned down our very kind offer, and you refused to send back your own. You refused <laughs> to counter. That's it. We're done. We're done. Um, we're not going to get to that point. Uh, so they're going to do all this screaming and yelling and saying, uh, you know what? We're we're just restating our point over and over. But ultimately, we're gonna they're going to find a way to do this. Or maybe I'm just telling myself that. Well, the good news is I'm just skimming. Uh... Kenny Rosenthal's latest story in the Athletic here, and it mentions that either or both parties could pursue a grievance if they cannot resolve their differences. Well, there's good news, huh? Because that don't even take months to resolve. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, it you know there's a lot, uh, a lot point, a lot of a lot of data here that that Kenny's going through, a lot of information, and I'm not going to read it over because I would bore the heck out of you and all. But uh, I'd say just go with the Athletic now and, and and read it for yourself. But the bottom line is that yeah, that there's. A lot of things thrown out there. There's still the concern of a second wave of the virus in the fall, and that has people a little skittish, um, you know, and I guess rightfully so. But, um, you know, I, I think Ben reiterated today when he talked with us on our Zoom call that um, that both sides want to get something done, that there's, there's, yeah, there is that yeah. feeling. So, yeah, I agree with you in that sense, that that, you know, at the end of the day keeps me hopeful. That uh, more hopeful than not that that something yeah. will be resolved and we'll have some kind of season. Whether it's MLB just putting its foot down and and then everybody gritting their teeth and getting through 2020 and not really liking it hell of a lot, but getting through it, um, which is kind of think what I think we're gonna have to do the rest of this whole year anyway. <laughs> so it's just uh, it's something's gonna happen, and I, I think that there yeah. will be ball. Then we can argue about the roster again. Oh, we can get so. back to that fun. Frankly, yeah. this might be more fun. Um, it comes down to two factors, really. This is games and and salary, payroll. And if you actually look, I don't know, maybe, again, maybe I'm just convincing myself this is simpler than it is. But if you, if you really look at that, what the players have been trying to do is say, we want more games because obviously more games means more money for us. And we also want this prorated pay. Why? Because you guys agreed that we would get prorated pay when baseball come back. We had agreed to that. We got it through back in what start of March or mid March, whatever that was. And the owners are coming back and saying, we can't afford it. We straight up can't afford it. Every game we play is costing us more money. And the players are like, well, if you prove that to me, then maybe I'll agree on that point. And the owners not, they're never going to be willing to open their books and show, see every single game that goes by every home game, we're losing this in economic revenue in local economy. What we're just not making money. They're not going to do that. So what they do is say, fine, uh, you really want that prorated pay? We'll take away games. And players say, well, we do want the prorated pay, but we don't want to play 50 games and still only get a third of the money we thought we were going to get in the first place. Uh, but if you just read between the lines, like literally in the middle of these lines here, 82 games. Yep. It's right between <laughs> 50 and 114. Um, there is a reason these numbers are coming out. We're going to find a way to, uh, to, to, to fit right in the middle there. I don't know if the players will necessarily get prorated pay. I think they would agree to a little bit less in order to get, um, in order to get, uh, service time and get moving toward free agency and, and the normalcy that 
that they sort of um, count on. But I, I do think they'll they'll probably get close to it, and they also um, maybe will get prorated pay with deferrals, which finally got put on the table in the latest um, PA proposal, although it wasn't really done in, in the way I'm talking about. This was done in a way that said uh, they'll get deferrals in case the um, in case the postseason is canceled or or uh, or shortened or something like that. So uh, I think ultimately deferrals get on the get on the table t- in order to um, have some of the higher paid guys ultimately get. Um, you know, maybe, maybe the prorated portion of their salaries are close to it, uh, without the teams having to pay all that this year. So I think these are big pieces that are finally starting to move around. And you can look at this as a deadlock or you can look at it as, uh, two rams with their, with their horns, uh, you know, jamming headfirst into each other. And eventually they, they, they want the same thing. So we're, we're going to figure it out. That was a terrible metaphor, but, um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll let it roll. We're going to get somewhere. It'll take a couple of days. Remember, if the if the owners have this, owners in the the league office have this trump card of saying we can play a shortened season and you can get that pay you asked for, um, then if they truly hold that, then we don't need a deal right now. If they want to play a forty game season, we can we can wait until um, you know sometime in July to 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 have players go back to go back to business and stuff. So um, I don't think baseball truly, actually, honestly wants less baseball. Um, that is simply their bargaining chip as it stands right now. So, um, we're, we're, we're getting answers and volleys back and forth more quickly now. And, and I think that does, uh, portend good things as we, as we sort of hope that they will finally get around to, to having some resolution to all this. And, uh, it has not been a good look for baseball, surely. But if you understand the way baseball operates all the time, this should be of no surprise. Uh, this is the way they're always, they always were going to negotiate this. And, um, could you, could you, you know, could you hope that under these conditions they could have uh, gotten in a room and, and figured something out and not played hardball like this? Sure. But that is not the reality we live in with baseball. And so here we are. We continue to wait and it's, uh, it's going to get there eventually. It'll get across the finish line. Trust me. And if you, uh, if I'm wrong, then I'll, I'll buy you an ice cream or something. Wow. I was trying to come up with another metaphor for you there to help you out, uh, something Christmas vacation related, and I couldn't. The only thing I can come up with is something about Cousin Eddie showing up with the RV and the compromise to him sleeping in the house would be to have the kids stay in the house, and he, got, he and his wife got to stay out in the RV. But that's not a very good metaphor either. It's just a great mo- mo- moment from movie history that I wanted to relate. Hey, Naz, i got a question for you real quick. Uh, how's your hair looking? You know, it's had better, and my wife cut it. it. She did great. It's just, it's time for another haircut. That's a loaded question. I'm sorry. I didn't realize your wife cut it. Because, you know, <laughs> if you say, that oh, looks great, she's going to say, well, then you never need to go to the barber again. Because I know you go into those swanky, squirrel hole, shady side Lawrenceville barbers that, you know, charge an arm and a leg. But, you know, we're going green here in Allegheny County this weekend. And that means that barber shops are opening, pizza joints opening. You might be able to go in and get a beverage of an adult variety at a local watering hole as long as they don't exceed 25% of the capacity. All these things opening up, local businesses opening their doors, which is great to see. And most of our listeners to the Yins Above Replacement podcast are living here in and around Pittsburgh. So if you're a local business owner and you're opening your doors this weekend for the first time in a long time... And what you want people to know that, you know, the door's open, come on in and spend some cash. What better way to promote your business than through the Yins Above Replacement podcast? 
do it through our show. Our listeners to the show are loyal and engaged, just like you are. So there's no better way for you to let them know that you're willing to take their credit card. Not forever, just to use it to swipe maybe to pay for a haircut or pepperoni pizza or a new pair of running shoes. If you're interested in advertising on the Yins Above Replacement Podcast, go to www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads with an S at the end because there's more than one ad, hopefully, that you'll be running. Again, theathletic.com slash podcast ads. Thank you. Okay, well, that um, after three trips to... To National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and a lot of talk about rosters and a season that probably but maybe won't but who knows will happen I think we've exhausted these good people's time and attention spans so we'll talk to you later <laughs>